action and welcome everybody this is bmp weekly episode 232 thank you a waldeck for confirming that for me it is 15th of january 2024 uh it is season 11 12 i don't doesn't matter 11 11 it is 11. So in the BMP Weekly, let's talk about the latest on Microsoft 365 and our partner organizations like Azure, GitHub, uh, Power Platform, of course, and all of that stuff. We typically have a visitor who's Microsoft employee or an MVP, and then we go through the key updates within a week. This time, uh, our visitor is Emily Mancini. Uh, Emily had a, a change in, in the organizational side, changing between companies and all of that stuff, and Emily has been pretty many many years already active within a community with open source and more and more actually in the future that was a good discussion right absolutely uh, before we go there uh just recapping also we do this in the end bmp weekly in the hashtag uh in twitter or in linkedin that helps us on finding our articles uh what you're proposing we would love to discuss and promote your articles what you're doing but let's actually jump on the on the interview with emily and then we'll get back on the articles right after that so welcome, Emily, on the PMP Weekly episode, Waldek, 232. There we go. Uh, so Emily, you've been in the show in the past. Um, that was a few years back because we, we restarted. Anyway, that doesn't matter, uh, but fall back. Um, so, but can you do a recap on who you are and what are you do for Link? Absolutely. So I am a Microsoft MVP and I focus on information architecture and out of the box solutions in Microsoft 365. I'm an executive director at Left Uncharted, which is a nonprofit focused on reducing the tech skills gap. Now, I know that you were a consultant. You were a consultant in Simpraxis the last time recorded and, and now you're executive director within the Left Uncharted. How, how did that happen? So what, what's, what's the story behind of that? Sure. So a little bit of a curly path where starting out with wanting to host an event in Miami for Microsoft 365, we don't have a big in-person community, really started to quickly grow as it got established. And I got connected to different community members. We saw how much interest there is in the city. There's actually something called the Miami Tech Talent Coalition, where they bring together all the different colleges, the different city leaders, all of the different industries and trainers to make sure that we're all aligned on where the gaps are and how we can better support the city. Miami is growing really, really quickly. And something that's pretty unique about it compared to other places I've lived is they really care about in-person. So this nonprofit has grown out of meeting the need of in-person need here since there is a wealth of information online, but that's not really the support that the people were looking for in this community. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Um, so, and you're a non-profit. What does that mean in practice? You know, not making profit, but again, so, so, but in 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 practice especially for europeans that's not necessarily a kind of a familiar setup why non-profit non-profit and and what does that mean in practice for your day-to-day -day work Sure. So in the US, mostly nonprofits are mission based. So our mission is specifically about committed to closing that tech skills gap for underemployed individuals, which includes nonprofits and small businesses as well. For nonprofits, you have to go through 
different regulations to get approved as a business and conduct your business a certain way. What that means is that I also get some government support like tax breaks, opportunities to apply for grant funding. So the intention behind making Left Uncharted a nonprofit is that there's a lot of money out there that we can be getting to help people with these career changes. And they may not know how to get that um, money directly to them, for example, to support that shift in getting their education. So trying to build out those programs. I have to say, and, and of course, there's nonprofits in Europe, but but again, there's a bit of a different, you know, setup. Just to be clear, there's nonprofits in Europe as well. But... Yeah, as I mean. yeah. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to ask you about, right? Like M365 is in you. And so all of, all of the work you're doing is still in the, the MISO 365 space, right? I think a lot of it is, but there's still a lot outside of Microsoft 365. And that's something that I'm personally really interested in. The nonprofit is also born out of my personal experience being an underemployed career changer for a very long time. And I never looked at IT as a place for me because I looked at coding and security. And that's not necessarily where my psychology and art background drew my interests. So I think a part of it is all about making sure people understand this broad spectrum of what's available, you know? Right. So yeah. the IT is a new, Microsoft 365 is a new. Why, why this and why, why now? What's changed? What was the missing ingredient? You're like, okay, we got to do it, do this now. Sure. Well, I think community is always going to be my first answer. Similar to there being community in Microsoft 365 and you find the right people, for example, to work on the maturity model for Microsoft 365 during um, the pandemic when we all got to collaborate on kicking that off. That was great. Finding people in Miami wanting in-person events is something that's been very different. I know events have been shifting a lot over the past couple of years and they're not growing in every region. So that's part of what made it specific about here and right now. Um, I believe the next piece is also just around, there's a growing expectation around people's digital literacy skills in any type of job. You don't need to be in IT to be expected to know how to co-author and collaborate on cloud documentation yep. and understand permissions. So as we're raising that bar of minimum expectations, who's supporting that education and bringing people up to speed? Yeah. Now, now coming back on what Waldorf was saying and coming back on what you were, Emily, also saying, is, 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 the, is the IT industry finally getting to be mature enough so it's not just about the technology and the, the you know, technical skills and academic skills and, modern, and you know, developer and coding and security, like you were saying. It's more about how do we use the existing tools and maximizing the value out of them. So it's no longer about investment, 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 investment and building new things. No, no, no. Let's rethink. We have all of these things and we can do magical things together. Is, is that really the change what we're seeing now? Yeah, I think that's really fair. And especially with this conversation around artificial intelligence and people having job insecurity, I think one area in IT that's going to last pretty long is that business systems analyst, change management, evangelist role of bridging between the technology and the people. The bleeding edge of technology is always ahead of society. So who are going to be the people that help bring the rest of us along with it? Yeah, right. You mentioned an interesting point, and I'm going to delve directly um, into it, AI. You cannot, you must, you would have to live under a rock not to hear about it over the last year, right? True. 
your background is background, not that far background because you have many backgrounds and I'm not, not meaning the <laughs> art uh, part. I mean the background around helping people organize their info, like all the data that they've got, right? So standing up information architectures that helps them work more efficiently and effectively. But then AI comes along, right? This promise of making sense out of unstructured and unorganized. How does that premise marry with uh, organizing things? Do you still need to organize or is it yeah. perfect? Like, can we just leave everything behind because AI Computers will figure it solve out. everything? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I have to say some of my favorite conversations of my entire career have been debating information architecture with Mark Anderson. So I would be devastated if AI was now solving that and taking that away from us forever. <laughs> um, no, I don't think it will be. I, I think that artificial intelligence is really helpful in giving us a summarized view of the input that we've given it. But if our input isn't reflective of what's important to the organization or well-defined enough, then there's gonna be different assumptions that might be made off of that content. And more often than not, when I have worked with other organizations as a consultant, they aren't having, um, they're, let's say we're complaining about search and they say search is terrible we don't have good information architecture. It's not that there's actually something wrong with search. So we so often blame this technology that's surfacing our core problems when that's not really where it's starting from. Right. But I guess that is really the, you know, symptomatic approach to it. Like that, that is really the first and oftentimes, like especially folks who aren't that well versed in the, in the IT interact with, like that's the thing that they see. So if the, data that they get back well obviously that part is wrong right it's really hard for them to understand like what's the mechanics behind it and where it's coming from and kind of like if yeah. if the input is bad at the beginning like you will not be able to upsert it to, to something more right you need to start at the beginning right what's the right way of explaining that for a customer we're putting on a spot ml i said how how do you explain this challenge for customers because of course the customer is like yeah sure so it's is bad. I, it doesn't give us anything. No, no, no. It's your fault that the search is bad. Wait, what? That's not the right way of doing that, right? So how do you explain that to the customer? Sure. So usually um, when we are going through a project, one of the first things that I'll talk about is what user research we're going to do to expand on our problem statement. And that takes a lot of confusion out of what the project team's focused on, because what we are saying is the problem and maybe what we see as the problem could be a little bit different. So I think that first step of digging deeper, for example, that search one, it was an HR project. They said, Search never pulls back any of this HR content. No problem. Let's list out all HR content we should find. It didn't exist on the internet. You can't search for something that's not documented, right? So it's not that search is bad. It's just you've yes. never written it. So yes. I, I think that um, <laughs> it's funny, but AI, when, when you think about it. Yeah, but we got AI. It'll figure it out. Yeah. I think I think the, the, the risk there is, right, there's a lot of, it hasn't even been started. Yes. Right. So AI can't fill the gaps that have it. It's in someone's head. It's institutional knowledge. And then on the other side of the spectrum, let's keep using benefits as an example. In the US, if I asked Copilot about my benefits and it gave me inaccurate information and I spent money based off of that, the company would owe me that. So me having inaccurate information can feed into employees making inaccurate decisions that. Yeah you know, have those financial implications. So I think there's, or security or confidentiality. So there's a lot of risk there. 
Yes. Wow. That's, that's, that is actually yeah, but that, that's, that's tough. That but when I think about it, that's that's a, I think that's a global challenge with AI right now, which is the AI is getting trained on the data, but quite often the data which is getting trained is not up to date, or you cannot guarantee that it's right up to date. And and there are ways of technology solutions on how to deal with that. So, but the first kind of the, the you know, the first open AI chat GPT experience is like, awesome, this is brilliant. And I can ask questions and give me that answers, which were old, but for business data, the business or data has to be accurate, made up or things, it has to right? be, yeah, exactly, or made up things. So how do we, now this is also for Wildeck, how do we make the AI to answer relevant questions uh, which are accurate um, what's the right hmm. solution to do there is the rack whatever I, the technology is technical solutions there's always and well i think yeah. i think that that will be really one of the key you know key things to drive really adoption of ai at scale in enterprise like make it really a common thing because I think it's it's un, until then, until AI, and I think AI needs to prove itself first in a way, right? Like, like it's there, it's a tech, promise is there. But I think until people really feel like, you know what, like, yes, it's reliable and it's on par, I think it's always going to be like, ah, you know, like it's cool, but I can use it to write a blog post or maybe press release or something. Like, and it also in a way where there's there there is a human being going, over it before we go live yep. where in the self-serve scenario nobody's there like you're chatting with an agent based on ai and there's nobody to filter and verify that right so yep. that is really an interesting thing like when will we have when will we reach that breakpoint where we say now we're ready I really appreciate your acknowledgement of the life cycle and growth of AI because I think there's a lot of fear and uncertainty, especially outside of IT. And one of the leaders at Miami-Dade College said this quote, uh, that AI is the worst it will ever be right now. And I really appreciate that is we're going to keep iterating and improving on it. So of course, we're getting pictures um, from designer that have seven fingers and is a little bit weird, right? But we're going to get there. And to your point, until we do, we're focused on editing. And Nielsen Norman Group did this really interesting study on ChatGPT showing that spending your time on editing, that's your special sauce of what you're contributing to the company. And using ChatGPT to reduce that draft time helps you get to focus on the things you care about more at work that's more intriguing and interesting to you. Yeah. And and I don't think there's any doubts that the AI will increase finally the productivity. So the productivity has been always been like, okay, so we're going to increase the productivity so everybody will be efficient. Historically, we've already done that. Um, and if we think about, you know, from 50s, 60s, 70s, people don't do those jobs anymore at households or home or we have machines and, and technology is evolving. In the same way as in the office, we're doing different things and there's automation behind of the scenes which are making us more productive. But AI is really the productivity leap now going forward and as long as we get it accurately answering the questions without any doubts. Now, coming back on the information architecture and data analytics and content types and everything else, uh, I know that you are Mark uh, and, and you've been really a specialist on this area and there's a lot of passion about this one. Wouldn't, is it, wouldn't it, if the AI works properly, wouldn't it fair to say that content types, metadata, doesn't matter. So everything is just, you know, automatically identified or are we already there or is it in other still... words it just works with the, yeah. the the emphasis on just as the perfect word we all love right it just works 
you know, I'm sure there's a, a world where it could be like that, but I think there's a long way between now and then. Um, I think a lot about even just from an internet perspective and the level of control people like to have over their content and how they curate it and how it appears. So if we're manually curating intranets, I would say we're not at that point yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, wonder, you need to make sure, yeah, anyway. So well, and I wonder also <laughs> another aspect to it, like because you mentioned like the desire and need. And I think that that's you know, there, there are some things that will change, like the technology-focused technology itself, the tools that we've got available. And then there are things that won't change, like people's need and organizations need to express themselves and to be the unique them, you know, they're having the USP that they're like, why they are the way they are and why you would do um, business with them as opposed to with some, 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 someone else. So as long as these drivers are there, I think that we will see you know, companies trying to organize the way they work in their way because like that is what this, this thing, what separates them from everybody else. So besides, there there will be always a unique aspect. And with that, I wonder, will that lead to the fact that no two companies are the same, no two intranets are the same, no two project environments are the same? Maybe you know you express projects in your org as. Teams team, where for me, that's a site. Maybe for somebody else, that's a doc lib. And maybe for somebody else, that is a project on project. So in other words, when you ask AI for project, what do you mean? How do you convey that your, how you model the information in your business in a way that's understandable for a machine that wasn't trained on your org? And how do we uh, bridge that gap caused by the uniqueness of every org? It's a really good point that there's so many different ways of working. And so often that's the number one conversation I'm having as a consultant in Microsoft 365 is which one matches your organization. I think if AI got to a point where as people are setting up their tenants, there were those recommendations, that would be incredible. Of This seems like a good match based off of how you're working in these ways. Have you tried this tool? I think that would be phenomenal. Um, but there's something interesting there, too, about the ways of working. There's a physicality sometimes related to how we work. And going back to the question about information architecture, I want to acknowledge that even I have that, where when I'm working with clients and looking at large data sets and volumes of things, I'm clicking and moving stuff around. I'm not typing a question and getting answer back. I'm physically interacting with the information. And that is building understanding in a different way for me. So I think that there's going to be an interesting line between how far we can get with conversational design and AI and how the AI interface is going to have to change to support these different ways that we're working. We'll be, we'll be again much wiser in 12 to 24 months. Like always, <laughs> the, the, the future and learning. The hindsight is always the best, exactly. right? Like, oh my exactly. God, yeah, we know so much more now. And there's also still so much that we don't know. Yes. Right. And another, another thing that that intrigues me, though, is like you've been in this field working with customers, different sizes and shapes for many, many years already. Have you seen customers evolve? And is the, you know, the general understanding of the problem space, the need, the urgency of it, is that going up? Maturity increases or is it really very much the same? And while it increases for a company who's been working with that space 
like yes they're increasing but every new incumbent starts basically from scratch um, I say this with so much love and support to all of my clients that, yes, they, they are a little bit further behind than you would expect. And everyone does seem to be starting from the, I, I would call it zero to 300 maturity model for Microsoft 365 level. It's very, very common that we have a client and we're taking them from everything's together to let's define this for the first time and start to collaborate in a slightly different way. Yes, that companies who continue to invest after that will continue to grow. But it's tough. A lot of organizations don't have the budget or talent for someone to be on staff. And if someone's not in the business spotting the ways that this technology can help them be more effective, often we don't know to ask for it because we don't know that it exists right. or how it could help us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so guess, in other words, they should teach that that at school. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 100%. For sure. <laughs> but isn't the, and and that's actually a great reminder again on the fact that that if we think about the amount of amount of customers and companies out there, just hundreds and millions of companies out there, and 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 as was Emily saying, quite often you you when we're still at the moment where people are at zero to three hundred level in the maturity level. We'll talk about the maturity level in a second. Uh, but it's it's that's quite often an oversight, especially I work with Wildec, I work with Bert and Patrick and many, many other people, and we're living in this bubble. And that gives you the impression that, of course, everybody knows this stuff. The AI, yeah, yeah, everybody knows what is AI and racks and whatever, semantics indexes and everything else. Rags. And then you start having <laughs> racks, <laughs> racks, <laughs> bracking. And so everybody then, then you have start having discussion and then the real hit, the reality hits. Um, and that's a great reminder on, on something also what we're trying to do in reference to the community side, which is getting started and introduction videos and all of that is the crucial piece which people unfortunately quite often skip we always tend to go let's talk about the, the deep dive and advanced things no 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 90 complexity of people... sells just the other day just that, the other that, day well, that's I, true I read i'm not saying that the, yeah complexity <laughs> sells that is that is correct however <laughs> what sells and what would be needed is two different things right yes uh, I think... absolutely so well, but quite. experts don't don't thrive on on simple things after all, right? Like <laughs> we're experts, like we want to have a challenge, and challenge lies in complexity, not in simple yes. things. Yes, and then you go and present about the complex stuff, and that will make you feel better, but not that the audience actually values. And anyway, that's just everything. So <laughs> but... <laughs> now. Um... On the maturity model, uh, I want to touch a few things. Community uh, community days, we need to go there as well. But the maturity model, you've referenced the maturity model. You've been actually kind of a fundamental um, member on, on defining the Microsoft 365 uh, maturity model. What is that? What is that all about? And what, what's the reference point? Where do we find more details about that? Sure. So the maturity model for Microsoft 365 is a framework where we break out different business competencies that you might have some outcome objectives around how you want to improve your business. And essentially in that model, it will go through different levels, zero to 500, about the impacts and outcomes that you'll have at these different levels of maturity. So you can decide which one is the best fit for your organization. Not every company needs to be the most mature. Not every company needs AI. Maybe I'm a small business selling clothes. I don't necessarily need AI on my inventory, right? Um, it's just one person handling it all. 
the uh, maturity model for Microsoft 365 lives on Microsoft Community Content, which is an online article repository driven by the community. So anyone who's listening to this can also contribute to it. The team is Mark Anderson, Simon Hudson, Simon Doy, Sharon Weaver, myself, and it is an expansion on the work that Sadie Van Buren had originally done on the SharePoint maturity model quite a few years ago. But hopefully it's going to help people identify what they want to build, what solutions they have, and for people who don't know what you can do in Microsoft 365, introduce that common language. Yeah, and I think that that's really the core, the common language, common terminology, so that you can go to a different company and then say that analyze the level of a maturity in multiple dis different aspects, and then you can have a you know proper discussion and what is it, standardize the companies in their maturity. Isn't that kind of the objective? Absolutely. That way it's easy for people to understand kind of where we are, compare stories. And then there's also a survey input where people can share where their organizations are and they're gathering trends to see how people are using Microsoft 365. Yeah. I'm going through it now and I'm noticing two things. One, it's evolved a lot since the last time I looked at it. So it's really cool to see it grow and become more and more and more. Two, there's no AI in there. There's no AI competency. Not yet. Not yet. That's a good point. Ah, I will I will admit, I haven't been part of the core team for the past six months. So I'm a little bit out of date on where their upcoming plans are. But I'm excited to catch up in 2024. And I'm sure they have some things underway. Yeah. And while really like, you cool. can contribute, you can always contribute. Of course. Of course. <laughs> That's a, that's yeah. Anyway, uh, what about the other thing you, we we mentioned a bit about when you when you explained how you got started that you first needed to have a nonprofit to organize an event and what is that event and what's what's happening in Mar February? Sure. So on Thursday, February first, and Friday, February second, is Microsoft 365 Community Days Miami. It is all day free training sessions. We have 35 international speakers, including MVPs and Microsoft. And so Friday, we have 60 minute sessions across five different tracks. Thursday, we have two pre-day workshops that you can register for, and we are going to be having that in Miami-Dade College in downtown Miami. We're really excited to have them as our community partner. They are one of the largest and most diverse colleges in the U.S., so we're excited to have them hosting us and reflecting our city yeah. and everyone is who's that, part is, of it. Is that, is that the first time you organize event of that type uh, um, in Miami? Tech event, yes. So before my career in tech, I come from a extensive executive assistant background as well as girls youth lacrosse operations director. So I used to run large scale multi-day events in other regions. So bridging of the two things together. I think it's it's always interesting when you have a curly career, you never know when your other experience is going to come back oh, yeah. in and, and <laughs> add. This is one of those moments, which is always exciting. <laughs> and and uh, coming back on that kind of a curly career thing, it's it's interesting that all of the, the in IT in computer in this society is this really IT anymore because it's more about business consulting almost. If you don't do you know, there's there's multiple sides of it, but all of that background information, what you have about, have about well, I have a I was a teacher at some point, read a lot about psychology, you know, arts, what you have, Emily, all of that has a massive impact and value within the career still. 
So it's not about choosing one thing and being in isolation. It's about you know diversing your skill sets as well, and then I chose one 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 thing in isolation. What does that make me? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's my belief. Part of the name of Left Uncharted is this idea of when you're planning out a trip, it's what's left unmapped, left undiscovered. And when we're making those trips, we're not going, I want to go from here all the way to this destination yeah. and not checking in. There's waypoints all along the way and you're making decisions and moving and going different places and have creating that psychological safety that you can try tech and decide it's not for you. And that's still a valuable spend of your time as well. Yep. Yeah. Plus, I mean, tech has evolved over the last years insanely much, right? Like, so even there, you can say, well, you can say it's tech, but which aspect of it? You know, because it can yeah. be everything from writing um, IoT embedded things, like hardcore hardware, firmware design things, all the way to business consulting in IT information actually, which is like, two opposite ends, right? And everything in between. So even there you can say, well, you might have tried one part of the IT and maybe that isn't for you. Try another one because there's so much more to try and they're so different. Absolutely. I, I'm really drawn to the art and psychology sides. You know, I think that's really interesting. And Vesa, you referenced that you were previously a teacher that makes sense of you leading communities. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's the human connection. And I would say all of that kind of a different background, I think for the community, especially, and, and, and the, a lot of people who are actively involved in community, it's all about empathy and, and the understanding what people actually need for helping them to succeed. And also trying to figure out on, okay, how can we help people being interested about helping people rather than just being an interest about your personal career, which for some people, that's completely fine. But there's a different kind of people and different kind of careers, um, for sure, in IT. So, and that's a way better answer that I should have said to the difference between Left Uncharted being a nonprofit versus a corporation that we're focused <laughs> on supporting people, not the outcome of profits. I said it in a way longer way. <laughs> so I'm going to steal that one, Vesa. <laughs> I have no idea what I said, but apparently that was good. I need to get back on. <laughs> well, we're recording, so you'll be able to get exactly. back to it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I need to write this down. If I would do, I would ever mention that in the in whatever. I need it in future. You now, are quotable. There you go. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Now, Emily, uh, you're also a, a woman in IT. If we think about diversity and left uncharted, it's also about inclusiveness and, and making sure that people are able to transition between careers and industries and all of that. And you're a woman in IT. Um, any? Have you seen a, a the, you know, the things evolve in a better direction, considering equality and, and diversity. And of course, we need to still work on this uh, throughout the world to make things more equal, uh, regardless of who we are and what is our background. But are we getting to a better direction or what's your kind of a feeling on that? I think the positive change that I've seen is a shift from being an advocate to a sponsor and people understanding that difference. So. It's something that I tell Mark Anderson all the time and thank him for that he's done for me in my career. There's a difference between telling someone, oh, you're doing great over there or saying, hey, I have some space on my platform. Do you want to come over here with me? Because I think you have a lot of great things to contribute. And that yeah. sponsorship, I think, is what's really critical in expanding our diversity in tech because people aren't getting invited to that table. Sure. Very often you might have the knowledge, excitement, passion, but because you don't have that bit of experience or know the right person, you're going to be blocked from that entry. So however we can bring people in, I think is really critical. 
Yeah. And I guess that's the key point of Left Uncharted as well, right? So yeah. So trying it's, to get it's what those I connections got. in place. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, I, I felt like I had a career change because I was in the right place at the right time. I forgot my laptop was presenting and I Googled something while the consultant said we couldn't do it. And the chief people officer saw that I figured out how to do something and was like, you're in the wrong career. Let's talk about tech. So if that hadn't <laughs> happened, right? You know, like, I don't know. And my dad's a systems engineer at AT&T. I grew up with tech. I grew up typing MS-DOS commands. It was never a conversation. So I think it's really important as much as we can build and advertise these pathways of what's there and how broad that spectrum is, then we'll see a lot of changes. Yeah. Yeah. And getting more diverse views and opinions and ideas as well, because again, the more people we have and with a diverse backgrounds, the more powerful we are together to come up with a, a great ideas on succeeding together. I, I think that's really the key power of those diverse backgrounds, which we all have. So. It's not about coming from university and graduating to be a computer science master. And those people are really good as well. We, we need those people as well. But you don't have to be computer science master from university. I'm not, uh, but you can still get to do cool stuff within IT or within business in together. So I don't even have a, have a university degree, to be honest. Is that me a secret? Either. Are they firing me? No. Microsoft for saying <laughs> that? No. I love that. Yeah, I think it's nice to talk about. It's the number one question I get at conferences is people will come up to me and say, like, how did you get into user experience? And yeah. I don't have a clear, normal path. And I think the more that we all share the weird ways that we got there, the more people find different footholds and have more True. creative yeah. ways to change that. True. And, yeah, and really, like yeah. Yeah, if, if anything else, it's the serendipity of stuff. Like you just happen to be at the right place, the right time, and it happened, right? It's not like you had this paved path and in three years I'm going to be that and in five years I'm going to be that and in 10 years I'm going to be that. Like, well, yes, you might have thought that, but is that a reality? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's those luck of a strike, striking of a luck or whatever occasions what just magically happens and then I get to know somebody and oh my god and then there's a connection and and you know get to say yes in a certain time so in a right which time, is an interesting so. point which is an interesting point right? because like, like on one hand you could say that you know internet and ubiquity of social like that levels the field everybody has now voice everybody has platform to share their stuff I don't think that's the case. Right. And as you say, like some folks have more access to right people, places and so forth and so on. So what tips would you give to community leaders, community leads, people who have that platform to open up, to, to be more aware of people around them that might need help? That's such a good question. And I think I have a lot of growth in this area. I'll admit, even though I'm starting a nonprofit, I'm coming at it from the subject matter expertise, and I'm going to grow in learning about nonprofit management and community building. But I do think that part of it, at least, is around just making sure that we're the ones reaching out. I think that very often you say, oh, well, my door is open. Well, how, do they know how to get to the door? Do they know the door yep. exists? Um, so I really think that the people with the platform have to do way more work than they think they do to find the people who want what they're creating. Yeah, it's, it's and, and again, historically, I can, uh, this, this, 
how would I put this in the right way? So it's the classical way of, of saying, well, everybody can submit, everybody can do, everybody can complain. But guess what? Not that many people have the skills or, or let's say the courage to submit, even though you would be open for them to do things. So so flipping that, you know, upside down and going to the people, if you see somebody actually writing something cool as a blog post or doing a cool tweet or a sample or whatever in the community and going to them and asking them to present typically can open up people to be like, yeah, well, sure, I can do that. That, that by the way, works really well in our community calls as well, because, well, we're using Luisa as an example for helping us on, on reaching to people and we're reaching to people and asking them to present and all of a sudden, there's a lot of people who will be like, yeah, I can, I can, I can actually do that. But that comes back on also on conference organizers. Um, it's it's actually much more work to have that, you know, external phasing. Would you come? Question as well. It's so easy to say, well, we're open for submissions, but you know. Well, and also I wonder, like, to what extent? Because there's like the other day I read an in an interesting article about you know, what makes us take the way we do. And one of the important aspects are incentives. We're incentivized to, to do things in different way. And there was this, this interesting thing, like a uh, question that we all should ask ourselves once in a while is what perceptions that I have would change if my incentives changed? And that is an interesting thing, right? Because like, if you think about like organizing an event and especially events that where there is pro, pro, profit in, in, involved, I can imagine, like if if all of you know everybody who speaks would be brand new, people that nobody has ever ever heard of. Yep. What would that mean for the attendance? But again, that's you know? the second extreme. Obviously, we wouldn't go yeah, extreme. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not yes, either or, exactly. of course. But again, that's that's a fair exactly point. right. Always so prepared. how how the thinking and the incentives that we put in place influence the way we think and operate? And true, the, is there is there anything that needs to change there? Whoever is setting the incentives, what's the right way of saying that? Whoever is setting the objectives, incentives, uh, needs to consider these additional perspectives as well. And therefore, then the incentives are different. And, and then getting the, the you know diversity, for example, into account in, in the, the metrics related on, let's say, organizing a conference, that has a big impact. Um, and that will probably have a positive impact if we go after the conference or in the conference promotion and we say 30% of our attendees or speakers will be new people from a, a various backgrounds and we're helping them to succeed. Um, I would actually rather go to see one of those conferences probably than, you know, somewhere where there's nobody, no new people. So it's always nice to have new people and see new people and, and new stars, which are, you know, blooming. So. And that's a good point. Going back to kind of the sponsorship we were talking about before with increasing the diversity in tech of offering to co-present with someone yes. or inviting them to submit is often that sponsorship. I don't know that I ever would have started externally presenting if Derek Cash-Peterson hadn't offered to co-present with me at Collab Days New England. I yep. didn't know that I had things that other people wanted to hear. So sometimes yep. someone just needs to tell you that, that yep. what you're doing and working on should be shared. Yep. Wow. Yep. But that... That's like coming from you. That's so insane. Like, you know, so much stuff I'm intrigued about. It's like, <laughs> you guys have never thought, like nobody wants to like, Emily, well, thanks, like <laughs> but it's what? the imposter syndrome also. And a lot of us have that. And it's, it's, it's completely understandable. It's, it's, yeah, so... and also you don't know what you actually know. Right. Correct. So it's really That's hard well. to like get back to it. Like, these are the 10 things that I know. And I'm pretty good at that. Like, it's hard because you are so deep in the weeds and you always like, you're looking for, 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 forward to the 
the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And you look towards that. It's like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. It's like, well, that's not quite true because you came from there. So, you know, actually a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Which comes from back on on encouraging people and, and you know, sponsorship, as, as you were Emily, saying, the importance of sponsorship and helping people and, you know, the partner body systems and all of that is incredibly important to give people feel comfortable enough to go to the present and do things and go outside of the shell or outside of the comfort zone. Uh, because then you can actually get magical things um, done. So when you do that. Cool. I'd love I, to yeah, offer sorry. up if it's all right. Um, another, uh, another diversity in tech topic of, aside from being a woman in tech, I think and care a lot about neurodiversity in tech. And it's something just to, Waldeck, your point of saying, thank you for the compliment of I know a lot. Well, I have ADHD and I have a lot of hyperfixations. So I get really interested in something. I learn a lot about it and then I move on. I think something that's really interested that in Left Uncharted is how do we identify what our special superpowers are in those yep. ways, our differences, and how do we also then know how to control them so that they're not so powerful that they are running us. Yep. And I think that whole person support conversation is something that we're really focused on. It's not, learning isn't just a financial barrier or a time barrier. It might be other things, whether it be food, housing, mental wellness, yeah. health. There's a lot yeah. there. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of opportunity for partnerships and sponsorships over there as well. So again, helping people to get outside of the, or unblocking the career path and opportunities for people uh, to help them to succeed, uh, which is a important thing. So cool. I know that we are a bit of a out of time uh, because we do have a meeting uh, uh, starting pretty soon with Waldek with, with some other people. Um, we're getting this even recorded. So there we go. But uh, thank you, Emily, uh, on a really great discussion. Always good to have a great discussions with you. Um, hopefully, well, we will see you at least in ECS latest. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't drop by in, in, in Call Up Days Miami, which is happening within a few weeks. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of people, by the way, over there. So don't miss out. Uh, but thanks, Emily. And, and also, thank you for all the help and magnificent work that you're doing in a community site and helping others to succeed. So thank you for that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. Thank and you. now we'll jump then to the weekly articles, what has happened within the Microsoft and community site. But thank you, Emily. Really, really cool. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Emily, one more time uh, on the great discussion. Good to catch up and a lot of, lot of good things there. And I need to go back and time to listen what was the thing what i said no never yes listen to your own quote <laughs> it was so good what did i say actually i have no idea it's okay so <laughs> cool uh let's go through the weekly articles it's still a pretty quiet uh weeks right so so not that many many things happening from microsoft side and even on the community side which is i think it's good uh people are having enough time to rest throughout the the holiday season and all of that which is also important but let's start with a a from microsoft side so nicole hersowitz had a blog post related on level up your retail workforce with smart simple solution microsoft teams and really this is kind of a partner blog post related on the retail conference which was ongoing i think last week this week, last week, um, and basically calling out all of the retail capabilities and functionalities which we have available within Microsoft Teams and, and the partner 
partner solutions like the max of viva engage and viva connection and all of that stuff so a lot of lot of a lot of great innovations for making retail capabilities retail industry more productive through the Microsoft Teams. So it's not just about videos, not just about chat, but also a lot of other opportunities in place. So great, great, great uh, story they're running here. Uh, the same applies actually for this one, which is kind of a partner article in the Teams blog on the exactly the same topic, calling out uh, the, the, the Viva connection, Viva Engage updates and what's happening there, and also other updates within the Microsoft Teams context, uh, making the retail industry more productive. So. Lot of, lot of cool stuff. The scheduling, administrative things, all of this stuff, it, it gets really, really mature yeah. uh, pretty fast. So it's no longer just chatting, right? Yes, it is. No, it's not. I just said that it's not about chatting. Yes, you are right. It is no longer <laughs> about chatting. <laughs> Sorry. English is hard, isn't it? <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> On the uh, SharePoint Premium block, there's a new blog post from Bill Bear related on new promotional offer for SharePoint Premium. So uh, a lot of uh, well, some adjustments after the TA announcement uh, within Microsoft Ignite related on uh, the offerings and licensing and all of that. So a lot of details from Bill and reference points uh, on what's available uh, for you to take advantage. And I guess these are all making it easier to test it out and to understand all of the awesomeness and the power of what the SharePoint Premium is actually providing. So really cool. Um, and I just realized on that now that we've got one thing that just popped to my mind that we don't have in the notes with a shared link just now in the chat, which is a new Visual Studio Code extension for SharePoint Embedded. Yes, let's actually cover that one uh, as we go to that right section. Uh, I will actually put it in here, put it in here, and put it in here. And that's actually a good recap. Good. Um, also, uh, there's a SharePoint Premium Content Management 2023 review and what's next for 2024 update from Charlie and Tam. Uh, kind of walking through the key announcements within 2023, um, referencing the, the video announcements and also talking about a bit about the future. So what are the areas where we are investing within the SharePoint Premium context? Uh, and more and more and more uh, details coming at AAM24 and Microsoft 365 conference pretty, pretty soon. So Microsoft 365 conference in end of April. And uh, when was this one? Uh, let's actually quickly have a look. AAM conference is happening in April 3rd to 5th, uh, so a bit before uh, Microsoft 365 conference. So more announcements and capabilities happening there. Uh, on the Viva connection of Viva, Viva site, uh, we had a blog post from me. Oh, I think in a blog post last week, interesting. Uh, on updated and new ready to use cards available in Viva connection. Um, it feels like I'm writing blog posts every single day nowadays. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when do they go live? I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, um, but yeah, so actually last year already, we released a new set of capabilities and out of the box cards and cap uh, features uh, within the Viva Connection. And there was a request on, on writing a blog post and basically calling them out. Uh, and these are adjustments for the news. Uh, uh, adjustments for the news uh, card, uh, so you can be more precise, precise on what news are getting surfaced. The people search capabilities and also events are now available for your connection out of the box. Cool. So uh, more and more uh, flexibility from there. On Fluid Framework 2.0 beta from Kashif and Nick Simmons, they also did a uh, community call demo on this one last week, right? 
That's cool. Yes, you are right. We will have the recording of that coming online. Is it already available? Or is already it available. Recordings are always out there within you. 24 hours after the call. So there you go. There you go. So, so you will see the video of that or the recording of that live demo in action and explaining what's new and coming because it's really cool, right? So if you look into uh, build, building an application that, that gives you this real-time engagement, a fluid framework is exactly what you need. Absolutely, absolutely. And what's really, really cool here also is that we are supporting now new relay service uh, on as SharePoint Embedded. And that means that the data never leaves your tenants. Again, you, you're basically yes. the relay services responsible of communicating between the different applications which are doing co real-time collaboration uh, at yeah. the same time. It sounds so impressive, but it is. It's incredibly impressive. It's really you cool, can yeah. use SharePoint Embedded as the relay for making that happen. That's actually really, really cool. Uh, on the Power Platform side, there was a recap on Modern Controls Evolution in 2023 and glimpse of into 2024 innovation. These are good. Uh, so, you know, recaps and then looking into what's happening in the future, um, giving some insights on, on what's going to be announced and what's coming, So, which is good. So themes, uh, improvements, a lot of new controls in Power Platform and Power App sites and more and more features also in 2024. So a lot of, lot of investments, obviously, on that side. And then, uh, not least, with, with the, the ad hoc one, uh, which I forget about, uh, the SharePoint Embedded Visual Studio Code extension. Uh, so this is actually pretty cool. So it, it actually makes use of the free tire, uh, trial container types. And that's actually really, 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 really smart move uh, from the SharePoint Embedded uh, team. So you can basically have trial containers which exist for 30 days. Um, and then you will need to clean up and then you can create a new one. So the, it's not a one-time offer, it's a continuous offer, but you need to recreate uh, yeah. that container. So you cannot use it for production usage, uh, but you can build as an employee, as a developer on top of it. That's yeah, smart. Yeah, so one and two, two also. It's really great that we have this extension because it simplifies, you know, the getting it uh, to work so much yes. because like you get a visual thing where it takes you step by step like sign, sign in create an entra app app reg create container yep. like you, you get all that you don't need to fiddle with command line finding the right commands getting them to work like you have really to follow ui so it's really really cool to see that and it's going to be really interesting to see what people do with this absolutely absolutely Really, very cool. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, great that we're getting more and more extension also in Visual Studio Code uh, because it is such a great tool to do development. Or that's where we are as when we're developing stuff. I don't. It's it's interesting. We used to whenever we started with SPFX, VS Code was just one of the options. Now it's like de facto, you know. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, Niraj Shah had a uh, blog post on the Power Platform developer blog around unlock retail productivity with Power Platform and Dataverse. Uh, so uh, uh, Dataverse scenarios in the retail context uh, and what's possible and how you can build stuff in the, in the using the Power Platform and uh, the Dataverse. Super, super cool as well. Now, Mika Svensson uh, from uh, Microsoft side, uh, Product manager. No, you're not one of product manager anymore, by the way, Mikael. So I need to update this. Update your um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Demystifying all of our properties on files in SharePoint and Search. Uh, Mikael is 
I would say definitely one of the go-to guys in anything in search. It's always like, hey, Mikael, can I help with that? Yeah, he exactly. Knows. <laughs> because he knows. <laughs> and now he's a principal engineer uh, within the search organization, not anymore PM. Um, so there's a bit of a difference. You know, we I can't. We talked about at some point with Vincent within this show, why did he move from PM role to the engineering role? I think Mikhail had the, exactly the same experience. So he wanted to be more hands-on and do technical stuff rather than we PMs or yes, coordinating stints. So I would love to do both, but I, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> so to say something. But <laughs> so Mahmoud Hassan had a LinkedIn uh, blog post. Uh, I think there's a blog post as well. I think we can call them blog posts. Uh, articles, topics in Viva and Copilot for Microsoft 365 uh, chat integration. So basically, calling out the different considerations and and things to consider uh, and how things are actually working. And a nice picture on on how what's what actually. So there's the topics. Uh, visible directly within the Viva Microsoft 365 chat. Can I actually open this one? I can't. Ah, sorry. No, Microsoft Viva, it's topics, not anymore actually Microsoft Viva topics, if I remember correctly, the renaming and all of that stuff. So, but it's exposed in the Microsoft 365 chat as well. Good, good, good. Uh, unveiling audit locks uh, with PMP PowerShell uh, from uh, uh, Rashmi, no clue. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we can use the PowerShell to get audit logs, and then the audit logs will give us the insights related on all of the different actions, what's happening within a tenant. Um, this is, by the way, a lot of the automations, or, or let's say there's a lot of these governance applications. The audit logs is how they actually quite often work, so how they get the baseline, and then they track on things, what else is happening. But the audit logs is a great, great, great location to understand what has happened, file has moved, file has copied, file has deleted. And there's a lot of, lot of these logs because every single time there's an operation happening in the system, uh, it will get locked in the audit logs so that people know who did what where. So yes, traceability. And uh, thank you, Rashmi, for calling out all of the different PowerShell commandlets, uh, in this case, using the BMP PowerShell, uh, which works on, on unified locking as well. So uh, and there's an example script on getting the information out. So really, really cool. BMP PowerShell is used by more than 40,000 tenants within a, every single month, which is mind boggling. That's cool. Yeah, not impressed at all. So, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Cool. Let's go to the video. So uh, 365 Message Center show, uh, Daryl and, and Daniel, uh, episode 317. What's the time? Is it uh, what time is it where you are? I think that's referred to the Microsoft Teams uh, user profile and the detail, user details. So you can actually see the time of the person where. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really like one of the things that trips me up always like, oh, that is out now. Because I haven't been seeing that internally for such a long time already. Like yes. I have no idea yes. what's available, and I thought, you know what, that is not my thing to announce. Yeah, <laughs> yep. it's a lot of lot of cool things, uh, and of course, um, that's that's the challenge for us as a Microsoft employee is we get access on a lot of the stuff advanced, so you don't know what's out and what's what's not out. But this is super super important, and there's a lot of lot of other things as well which are getting announced within the show. So thank you for that. Now, uh, Andrew Connell. Zero to Hero complete tutorial on building SharePoint embedded apps. Um, this tutorial is, by the way, not using the VS Code extension, but again, um, it's still the VS Code extension is improving even this experience better. Yep. 
uh, I don't need any captions. I can I can listen. But yeah, really, really cool um, for going through. And this is 50 minutes. So it's not a small tutorial, but it really goes through step by step on what is SharePoint embedded, how to get started, all of that stuff, which is awesome. Thank you, AC, on that one. Uh, then we'll have a look on how to apply to LAB University of Applied Science. Let me click skip. So there we go. Shane uh, is back on customize uh, SharePoint list forms with Power Apps. Um, so classic scenario. This is a good reminder for uh, again on the fact that the baseline getting started video tutorials are super important, not just the deep dives, but also, okay, how do I get started? How do I do that? Um, there's so many people, new people coming in uh, on learning things. Uh, so, which is cool. And this is quite long as well, 17 minutes walking through different scenarios, what works and what doesn't work. And then the final show uh, from last week, uh, content types and document templates. Um, this relates on a bit on the discussion with Emily, right? Um, what is the why content types actually matters and all of that stuff. Um, Emily used to work for some practice consulting as we chatted within the interview as well. Uh, this really what talks about those templates and how they actually work and what is the importance. And they do matter within a time of AI as well. So the structural data improves the reliability and preciseness of the AI results because AI understands what the data is actually all about. That's why the metadata actually matters. So. Or does it, Waldek? Does it matter? Does it matter? Huh. That you will find <laughs> out in the next episode of this show. No. <laughs> cool. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, anything interesting on your side? Um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Totally. A lot cannot, of stuff. Cannot happening. wait to tell more. Uh, <laughs> we are wrapping up a next release of Dev Proxy, and it's cool. packed. Like, we've been working a lot since. Actually, a whole December, beginning of January, like build quite a few new cool things. So we can't wait to share with you. It should be out in the next few days. So we're really excited cool. about it and really can't wait to hear from folks. What do they think and what creative um, use cases they will put it to, to uh, use for. Absolutely, absolutely, really, really cool. Uh, on my side, what's happening? I don't know. Uh, community calls, all of that is happening. There's so many things happening. Uh, Viva Connection Pod Powered ACs was supposed to go live last week. Unfortunately, we need to delay that a bit. Hopefully, we'll get that one sorted out uh, pretty soon. Um, with a, there's always every now and then this might happen. So you're, you're thinking on doing something, and then last minute it's like, no, 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 no. We need to adjust certain things uh, before we can go live, so that the first impressions will be good. Uh, so. Yes. But it's okay. It's okay. There's so much. Luckily today, actually, US, as we're recording this on Monday, fifteenth uh, of January, today is public holiday in US. So that means that there's a time to catch up on things on evening, which is really, really good. No, no meetings. Well, it's still. There's meetings in the calendar, but because people forgot about canceling them, which is yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Always to say, remember, will people show up or not? I don't know. <laughs> I will probably show up on those because we'll please remember to cancel. If you cannot make a meeting, please cancel because what if you have global people joining and they don't not sure is the meeting? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, cool. I guess that's it for now. Hashtag PMP Weekly in Twitter or in LinkedIn uh, helps us on, on catching up on your stories. Hopefully next week we'll have much more material. Most likely we'll do. There's a lot more and more uh, material getting uh, released now that we're getting back from the holiday season. Well, we'll be past the holiday season, but again, 
So, where are we on which holidays? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there you go. That Ryan is good. Point. Yes. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching, listening. Please do give us feedback uh, if there's any thoughts on how we can improve or, or if there are people who want to stay in the show. Thank you, Emily. Really great discussion. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff there. Thank you, Waldeck. Have a great rest of the Thank week as well. Thank you. See we'll you next time. Cheers. Thank you.